here, let's jump into the Word of God. And, and I'm excited for today because we get into kind of the meat of at least part of what we're talking about in this sermon series. Last week we started it focused on the faithfulness of God because everything has to start there, amen? Like everything about the Christian life is anchored to God's faithfulness in salvation and, and the things He says and the promises that He makes. And so any of our desire to seek to be faithful to him has to be anchored to that. But the rest of the series is really talking about us as believers, how we're to walk in faithfulness. And, and so um, we're going to start that today in a very, um, where I think is one of the most important places um, in his word. And so I encourage you to go ahead and turn with me uh, to Jeremiah chapter 8. If you're new to church, Jeremiah is kind of right there in the middle of your Bible. It's in the Old Testament in the prophets. Um, Jeremiah chapter 8. I want to encourage you, if you're able, uh, please stand with me out of respect for God's word as um, Shelly Merritt is going to read for us out of Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 4 through 9. Shelly? Good morning, church. Jeremiah 8, 4 through 9. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, when men fall, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? Why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to listen. I have paid attention and listened, but they have not spoken rightly. No man relents of his evil, saying, what have I done? Everyone turns to his own course, like a horse plunging headlong into battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times, and the turtle dove, swallow, and crane keep the time of their coming. But my people know not the rules of the Lord. How can you say, we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken." Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? Church, hear the word of the Lord. Shelly, thank you. Go ahead and have a seat, and let's, let's pray before we jump into God's word. Father, we thank you for your word, and as we'll even talk about later in our time, um, when we come to your word, we need your spirit to guide us, uh, to give us all spiritual wisdom and understanding, Lord, to lead us to truth, because we're just not sufficient in ourselves uh, to see you, uh, to hear you, to know you without your revelation to us, and, and we know yet that is what your word is all about. And, and Father, as we discuss your word, and as we talk about your word, I want to pray this morning that you would stir in every single one of us a deeper zeal. Uh, to be faithful, to be in your word, to, to, to cherish it, to walk by it, to, uh, to see it as the lamp unto our feet that it truly is. And Lord, I, I know that that can really only happen by a work of your spirit in each and every one of us. And so, Father, pray that your spirit would be with us. Pray that you would guide us. Pray that you would lead us. Father, certainly pray that he would speak through me this morning. Uh, Father, my words are always going to be insufficient, but yours never is. Yours never is. And so, Lord, pray that you'd help me to be faithful to your word. Father, I pray that our hearts would be inclined to your word, that we would hear, that we would do, that we would be a people of your word. Father, I pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so Jeremiah, if you don't know much about Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet uh, to the people of Israel, um, starting in the reign of King Josiah in around 627 B.C., and he prophesied to the people of Israel all the way up into and, and through the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Now, uh, if you're not, again, familiar with what prophets would do, prophets were people that were sent to the people of Israel to communicate to them um, God's word, God's message. Is why in our text this morning you hear him say, Thus saith the Lord. Like, Jeremiah is speaking um, for the Lord because the Lord has spoken to Jeremiah and wants to speak to his people through Jeremiah. Now, most of the books of the prophecies and most of the prophets, what they, their role was within the people of Israel was to call the people of Israel back to the Lord, to call them back to repentance. In essence, saying, like, listen, y'all are walking away from the Lord, and if you keep walking that direction, if you don't turn, if you don't repent, if you don't come back to him, then, then these are the things that's going to happen. And usually these things that were going to happen were not good things. They were prophesying, like, this is going to go bad for you if you continue to walk down these paths. 
And this text we read this morning in Jeremiah chapter 8 is one of those prophecies where the people of Israel, they're they're backsliding, they're turning away. And and the Lord, through Jeremiah, is asking the question. He's he's asking, he's like, don't men, when they rise, fall? Or when they fall, don't they rise again? Don't they return when they lose their way? Then why aren't you doing that? Like, like why aren't you relenting? Why aren't you repenting? And, and Jeremiah is coming to this question. He's coming to this reality. And, and again, just to read it straight out of the text, he says, then how can you say? And, and so again, God's asking this question to the people of Israel because they don't see themselves as backsliding. They don't see themselves as people who are falling away from the Lord. And says, how can you say we're wise and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. Well, like, so this is what's happening to the people. They're, they're, they think that they're wise. They think that they're following God's law. They think that they're good religious people. And God's saying, no. Like, you're not. You're, you're backsliding. You're falling away. Like, like, why aren't you listening? Why are you continuing to pursue evil? And then Jeremiah gets to this next verse, which I think is such an amazing warning, if warnings can be amazing. But it's the focus, I believe, of this text, and it's in verse 9. It says, the wise men shall be put to shame. So pause. Remember, these are people who think they're wise. Like, look, we're wise. We know the law. We're part of the law. Like, we're doing all the things we're supposed to do. And he's saying the wise men are going to be put to shame. They're going to be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? Like what wisdom is in them? See, the people of Israel, for all of their religion, for all of the things that they knew to be true, they had rejected the word of God. Now, most of us, I think if we look at this statement, we'd think, man, like, I, I haven't done this. Like, I would never reject the word of God. Like, that's, that's awful, right? Like, to out, God, outright reject God's word, like, I'd never do that. But, but here's the thing this morning. I want us to recognize and see that there is a real danger for every single one of us in this room, in this church, of rejecting God's word of rejecting God's word, of kind of pushing it away and and not being faithful to what he's called us to. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, what it looks like to reject God's word, and we're going to look like why we shouldn't reject God's word, and we're going to look at some practical ways of how we can be faithful to God's word. So before we start, before we get too far into it, we need to acknowledge and talk about what is God's word, because I don't want to take that for granted that everybody in this room knows what that is. And so I'm not going to go into a ton of detail, but when I say God's word, I'm talking about the word of God that we have here, the book from Genesis to Revelation. Now, now, what I'm talking about is, is some form of a good translation of the original text that have been given to us. So NASB, ESV, NIV, good translations that reflect the original text as best as possible. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to spend time giving you all the details of how we know that Genesis to Revelation is the right books to be included in Scripture. Like, there's some amazing scholars, there's some amazing realities there, Um, and listen, there's not a pastor on staff that would not geek out to spend a lot of time with you talking about all that stuff, all right? Especially David Mann. He loves it. He loves to talk about all of the manuscript evidence and how we got it and why we know that that we pick these books instead of the book of the Gospel of Thomas or um, the book of Enoch and why that's not in here and all these different things. Like, there's good reasons for that. But for the sake of today, I'm saying that the the Word of God that we're talking about is Genesis to Revelation. Like, that is, that is, is, that's His Word. That's what we're looking at, a good representation of that. And what we need to see is that this is His Word to us, intended to convey to us, finite people, His plan, His character, His heart, His salvation, 
his law, his way, his expectations, his love for us, it conveys exactly what he wants it to convey. It leaves nothing out that should have been included. It leaves nothing out that we need. Everything we need for life and salvation is here in this word. It's perfect. It's exactly what we need. Now, there's some characteristics that we need to be mindful of as we think about the word of God that he's given to us. The first one is this. It's breathed out by him. Second Timothy makes this clear. All scripture is breathed out by God. Meaning that what is in this has been communicated to us, what has been communicated to us is sourced in him. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't use men to communicate his word, men like Jeremiah, right? And, and people like, like Jeremiah's personality is in his writing, his culture is in his writing, his style is in his writing, but God has conveyed exactly what he wants to convey in and through Jeremiah to us thousands of years after it's been communicated. It originates not in Jeremiah, it originates out of the mouth of God, out of the heart of God. That's what we need to be reminded. That when we look at these things, that's why we stand every single week when we read this, because it's the word of God. They're not just stories. It's not just history. It's exactly what God wanted to give us to communicate himself to us in our lives. It's breathed out by him. Secondly, it is enduring. First Peter but the word of the Lord remains forever. Once it is breathed out by him, it is established. It is rooted, it is protected, it is sustained, it is preserved by the power of the Almighty God. This is one of those things that sometimes when you talk to people, you have to think is a little bit amusing, right? Uh, and what I mean by that is that some people will argue all kinds of things like, well, like, like, okay, it's been changed, and maybe God originally gave it, and it was pure, but now it's been changed. If you talk to somebody who is a part of the Islamic faith or the Muslim faith, that's what they're going to argue. They're going to argue that what we have isn't accurate, that it's been messed up, that, that we messed it up, that we misinterpreted it. Listen, you know what I think is amusing about that? Don't you think that if God is able to speak the sun into existence, if, if God is able to speak you into existence and sustain your breath and make DNA and create a world and sustain it, don't you think he's able to keep us, little old idiot humans, from messing up his word? Don't you think he's able to do that? Like, I think this is the craziest argument that someone's like, oh, yeah, I know God created everything, but you know what he's not good at? Communicating. Right? Like, like I know he's not very good at communicating. Like, he messed that up. No, he didn't mess it up. He said it. It endures. We don't need to worry about it being messed up. Like, he has sustained it, and he will continue to sustain it until he comes again. Next. We know that his word is living and it is active. Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is living and active. This doesn't mean that it's constantly changing, as some would say. What it means is that the living spirit is always working in and through his word. Applying it to the lives of believers. Helping our eyes to be open to it. It's constantly working on us. The word does not need to be made relevant. It is relevant. It is relevant to every age, in every age, to every believer that has ever lived from Jesus's day until today. What other book, I know that's not what this is, but what other book is able to do that? It's relevant. And it drives me crazy when people talk about, well, we need to make it relevant. No, no, it's relevant because it's his word. Like, that's what makes it relevant. Our calling is to acknowledge its power and its relevance. And then, brothers and sisters, hear me. Submit to it without question. Submit to it without question. As the Spirit uses it in our lives, 
we are to recognize that not only is his word, does it endure, and not only is it uh, living and active, but it is also the Spirit's sword. Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In this, he has revealed himself. In his word, he has revealed himself. He's revealed his plan. He's revealed our true nature. His word is a weapon against deceit, self-delusion, lies of the enemy. It helps us fight against sin that so easily entangles. It leads us to truth. It's a sword. It's a sword. I actually have a sword. It's a sword like this. This is what it was for. A sword was intended in those days as a tool to be used for all kinds of things. For defense, for offense, like his word is a sword. Without this, in those days and age, you would have been powerless and defenseless. In this age, maybe it would be better to be like a gun, but we're going to stick with sword because that's what the scripture says, right? Like you would have been powerless and defensive without this. This was your protection. This is how you know without this, we cannot come to truth. We cannot come to life. We cannot come to salvation. We cannot know him. We cannot find him. We cannot even know how to love him. We have no idea how to live life and to protect ourselves from our own nature and the enemy's lies and deception without the sword that has been given to us. It is a sword. And I'm going to leave it here because we're going to talk a lot about the sword. As we think about this sword, as Christians, we, we might accept that, that this is true and that this is an important thing. And that man, we think, well, how could anyone reject this? How could anyone reject that? And I think that many people, even in this room, would say, like, I, I would never want to do that. I agree with all these different things. And I believe so many things that the scriptures teach. And that may be absolutely sincere. But the thing that scares me most is that the people that Jeremiah was talking to were also sincere. And they believed that they were holding on to the word of God while at the same time they were rejecting it. And so what does it look like to reject the word of God? How, how, do, we, how do we, maybe can we be tempted to be rejecting the, spirit, the word of God? Because you can reject the word of God without becoming an atheist. You can reject the word of God without becoming an agnostic or becoming a part of some cult like Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or something else that's out there. Like you can still reject. And so how can we be tempted to do that? I want to start by talking about the fact that we primarily display it at times. Now, here's the thing. I say primarily because I'm not saying that you're guilty of rejecting God's word if you display it. I'm saying that if you primarily display it, meaning this, God's word is meant to be in use. It is meant to be, it is meant to dwell richly within us. It's meant to be a part of us. It's meant to be intertwined with our thoughts and our hearts and our worldview as closely as oxygen and hydrogen are intertwined when it comes to water. Like it is supposed to be part of every aspect of our lives. And sadly, many people have the word of God in their houses, on their shelves, and it rarely comes off the shelf. It sits there and it's displayed. Many people will even put verses on their walls. Things that say like, like as for me and my house, like we will serve the Lord. But they have no idea what that actually means, and what it actually looks like. Because they don't open the word to understand it. They'll put things on their coffee cups to say things like, man, God is love. But they have no idea what that means because all they're doing is displaying it. They're not actually looking at what it means for God to be love in his word. They'll put bumper stickers on their car. And they'll display it and all these different things. Listen, brothers and sisters, I can display this in a nice glass case in my house all day long, and that does not make me a warrior. Does it? You know what makes you a warrior? Is when you get the sword out and you begin to use it. And you understand the battle that you're fighting. 
You understand the enemy that you have, and you pick it up, and you hold the sword, and you use it. And millions of Christians all over this world, including myself at times, are guilty of displaying his word, but never picking up the sword. I want to make sure that we are not guilty of rejecting God's word by simply displaying it and looking at it and saying, man, look how nice it is. Next, another way of rejecting it is learning it but not actually doing it. We just spoke of this in our series on James, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time in this. But we memorize it if we quote it, but we're not allowing it to change us, to renew us, to mold us. If we don't submit it, if we don't seek to practice it, what good is it? If we read his word and we justify all the reasons why that's not applicable to myself, and I don't need to do that, then brothers and sisters, you do realize you're rejecting the word of God. If he says to us, do not get drunk on wine, and we say, you know what, but it's okay because my friends will make fun of me if I don't go out and hang out with my friends. Listen, you're rejecting his word. If you say, husbands, you you see the word calls you to love your wives as Christ loved the church, and you refuse to do that, you're, you're rejecting the word of God. If the word says pray without ceasing, and you refuse to seek to try to do that, you're rejecting the word of God. If it says to love a brother and outdo somebody in honor, and you refuse to do that, you're rejecting the word of God. Like We're called to be obedient and submit ourselves to it. I like how Matt Chandler puts it in the explicit gospel. He says, when we hear the gospel word, we are open up to the word of God. We are subjected to God's word reading us. I love that phrase. Like We're not just reading his word. His word is reading us. Have you ever picked up the Bible and you started to read it and then you get like two sentences in and you're like, ugh. Like, man, that's me. Like, I'm that guy, and I need to stop, and I need to repent. Like, it's reading you. It's the Spirit of God cutting you with the sword, cutting to the marrow, like understanding your heart in ways that you don't even know how. We sit underneath it, and from the moment of our hearing it, I love this, it rules us. If we see God's Word with any less authority, any less severity, we might be guilty of rejecting his word. Now, we can also be guilty of rejecting his word by not putting the word of God in its proper place. Um, I actually want to illustrate this. Um, Robert, I'm going to ask him to come up. Uh, I did tell him I was going to do this to him beforehand, um, but I I want to help us understand what this looks like in our lives. And if you wonder what this big box was, you're going to find out real fast, all right? But here's the thing. Um, Robert... Um, I'm not going to throw a sword at you either, bud. Um, but Robert, uh, as a believing Christian, he loves Jesus. I did, don't take the sword, try to take it. He loves Jesus. He wants the sword. I think most of us are like Robert. Like, and I didn't tell him to try to reach for it, but I think most Christians, that's what we want. We genuinely want to do that. But, but here's what happens for us. Oftentimes, as we are reaching for the sword, and that's probably going to fall down, but that's okay. What happens is, um, what really thinks, takes place is, you get up in the morning and you think, oh man, actually what I need to do is I need to be considered about work. And I've got to think about all the things I've got and my emails and all the stuff that comes um, from that. And, um, you know, here, you, you, your phone starts to ring and you start looking at social media. And you didn't intend to, but man, you flick it up and then you end up on the death scroll. Um, and, and you just keep going and over and over and over again. And an hour goes by and you're like, oh, now I need to be at work. And then you're on your way to work, and then you start thinking about, oh, man, but i got to catch the Chiefs win Super Bowl again for the, what, third time in, like, the past five years? Just one last night. So all you doubters, like, they're on the way. And you got to watch the game because that's important. So, man, you got to think, now i got to schedule the game. Um, and, and, but it's not even that. you also got to make sure you check your, your, your Netflix shows, right? Because you're tired, and the day's been long. And, man, you, have a, you deserve that. You deserve a chance to, to, to watch a show, to spend some time just vegging out. Um, but you know what? Robert doesn't, you guys don't know this, or maybe you do, um, but Robert uh, and his wife, they just had a baby. Um, and so you got to change diapers too, right? Um, so 
Uh, and you know what? In fact, that's not enough diapers, because if you've had babies, you know, like, you, that is not even close to enough diapers. In fact, that's still not enough diapers. And then, you know what happens is that baby gets a little older and starts to make a mess in your house, and you've got to deal with that too, right? I think you kind of see where this is going, and, and, and you've got groceries, and you know what you need to do? You also need to take a vacation, because you are tired, right? And, and so you're going to go snorkeling, which is, yeah, nice. But you know what he hasn't done yet? He hasn't made dinner. And, and so he's got to make dinner as well. And, and so now he's got to make dinner, but you can't make dinner unless you've gone to uh, the grocery store, right? Because you, you need to go to the grocery store. And all the while, man, he, he, needs to, um, he needs to take care of himself. So he needs to be going to the gym with this super cute girl's uh, water bottle, um, which is my daughter's, but nonetheless, like it works, right? Like, like how many of y'all feel like this? Now, now, let me ask the question. Oh, you know what he forgot? He forgot the sword. Isn't this how most of our lives is? Now, with all of this in his hands, he's going, oh, but the word. And, and even if he can manage to sneak this into his hand, how good is he at wielding it? Would you trust him to protect your family? No, I don't mean that just because. No, anyway, here, leave the sword back. Go ahead and throw all that stuff back in there, Robert. Um, but, but here's the deal. Like, isn't, yeah, you could give him an applause because he did not really know what we were going to do. He just volunteered. So, but, but is this not most of our lives? Well, like in all seriousness, like isn't this what happens to most of us? Like we wake up in the morning and we're like, oh yeah, I need to be in the Word of God. And, and, and then what happens is, is we don't put it in its, prior, its proper place. And before the day goes on, like we're just trying to juggle life. And listen, you want to notice something? Not one of those things, by the way, is bad. I did that on purpose, by the way. Like every single one of those things, brothers and sisters, is good. Like you need to change your baby's diaper. You need to make dinner. You need to take care of your house. You need to watch the Chiefs win the Super Bowl again. So you can make fun of all the Dallas Cowboys fans. If they win this year, it's going to be over. But nonetheless, like these are good things. But brothers and sisters... If we let them take precedence over God's word, we are going to lose the battle. We're going to lose the battle. And, and what we do, if we're doing that, what we may not intend to be doing it, what we're really doing is rejecting God's word. Because we're not making the efforts to ensure that we're putting his word in the proper place. And again, I, I know these things are important. But what we want to do is we want to take the sword into every single one of those spaces, right? Like we want to carry the sword into our workplaces. We want to carry the sword into our entertainment. We want to carry the sword into how we watch the football game. We want to carry the sword in how we parent our kids. We want to carry the sword into how we love our spouses. We want to carry the sword into all of those areas of life. And you can't do that if it's the last thing you do. It needs to be the first thing. It needs to be the priority in our lives, or we will be, in essence, practically not rejecting the word by not putting it in its proper place. Lastly, but not exhaustively, we can also be guilty of rejecting God's word by letting other people do all the work. Here's what I mean. Sermons are good. I'm glad you're here. Uh, podcast, great. Good books by godly authors are fantastic. Good songs that are theologically rich and, and, and important for our lives. Man, you need to have those in your life. That is not the word. Right? You know what you need to be doing is you need to be you and his word and the spirit of God. Like it's you and him. Because what you're doing every time, if all you do is get it from me, you know what you're getting? And I'm not trying to, to diminish this, but you're getting my digestion of God's word in my own life. Like regurgitated it back out to you. Now, hopefully it's a little better than that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's what he's done in me. 
And if you're, all you're doing is listening to other people's opinions about his word, it's like you receiving this amazing love letter and, and where, where someone tells you all about how much they care for you and love you and what they, they want for your life and how much they're going to do for you and what, who, they're, who they are and what they like and their hearts, and you stick it up on a shelf and say, you know what, I'll let someone else read that to me. Don't let someone else read God's word to you. You need to be reading it. And if you're saying that's sufficient, I genuinely believe you're in, you're in danger of rejecting his word. Because we want his spirit to work in us. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Brothers and sisters, this work is done by his spirit through his word. It's not being it personally. With his spirit, which is in you as Christians, is an act of rejection. And I know that seems harsh, and I'm not saying stop listening to podcasts. I'm saying don't only listen to podcasts. As we enter into 2024, the call for us is to refuse to reject his word. To recognize how easy it is for us as believers to do it, to recognize how easy it is for non-believers to want to reject his word. But to say, no, I don't want to reject his word. And I think one of the most important things we can do now is to then focus on why it's so important to not reject his word. What's the value of his word? And so I want to quickly run through where I, I see the power in God's word for our lives. And again, I, I, I can't get into all the details here, but I want to give you a picture of it so that you see the value of his word. And most of this is taken out of Psalm 119. But here's the power of God's word. It helps keep our way pure. It helps us fight against sin. His word helps give us counsel. You ever feel like you need counsel? Like you just don't know how to live, live life and you need help with that? Word of God helps give us counsel. It helps give us life. And I don't mean just like physical life. I mean, like, if you want to know how to be a good husband, the world doesn't know how. You want to know how to be a good wife? The world doesn't know how. You want to know how to handle your finances in a way that God will bless? The world doesn't know how. Like, if you follow their way, it's not going to lead you to what life. You know who does know how? The one who made it. The one who established it and set things to be the way they are. So his word gives us life. His word grants us strength in times of difficulty. His word confirms his promises over and over and over again. Anybody need to be reminded of the promises of God at times? I do. It becomes a conduit for his steadfast love and salvation. What I mean by that is that it communicates his salvation and love to us. It leads us to his salvation and his love. His word gives us an answer when we are taunted. Again, when the world mocks you, not if the world mocks you, when the world mocks you for living different, for being peculiar, for being strange in their eyes, the word of God anchors you to why. And it gives you words to speak so that when you're taunted, you have an answer for them. You have a hope, an answer for the hope that is within you. The power of his word gives us hope. The power of his word gives comfort in affliction. The power of his word incites us to praise him. The power of his word teaches us good judgment and knowledge. Again, the world doesn't have that. The power of his word grants us wisdom. The power of his word guides our path. The power of his word shows us his testimonies or his work. Again, he's telling us how he's moved in history. If you want to know how God works, he's consistent always. And so he's consistent with Jacob in the same way he will be with you. And so he's given us his testimonies to see who he is and how he functions. The power of his word gives us truth. Man, do we need that in this day and age. Right? Like it gives us truth. Not her truth, his truth, my truth. No, truth. Big difference. There's only one, and God has it. Paul says the power of his word exhorts us, it teaches us, it reproves us, it trains us for righteousness. His word becomes the sword of the Spirit in our lives to accomplish all of this and so much more. Let me ask you, why would we reject it? 
Like, if we really believe everything I just said about his words, like, why in the world would we ever be tempted to reject his word? Why would we reject when he can teach us and correct us, give us truth? Why would we reject if he can give us light and life? Why, why would we reject his promises, reject his wisdom, reject his understanding, reject his hope, reject his salvation, reject his steadfast love? Like every single time we reject God's word as a primary component of our lives, these are the things we are rejecting. And I know none of us want that. But I hope you see the value of it. And so again, today in 2024, as we start this year, here is my call to us all, to commit to letting his word dwell richly in you. Letting his word dwell richly in you. And I said commit because it's not easy and it won't happen unless you work towards it. Unless you do something. Like you have to commit to it. You know, like, like committing to go to the gym in January, like when it's 15 degrees outside and you don't want to go, like it's a commitment. Like you have to commit to it, you have to plan for it. You have to put things in place to make it happen. And this is exactly what God wants for us. In Colossians, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let it dwell richly, abundantly, fully, lavishly. I love this way that this Greek word says it. It's this idea of letting his word take up residence in your heart. Now, I know most of our temptation first is to be like, I want to, but I don't, I don't know how. Listen, you know how a lot better than you think you know how. How many of y'all can remember a song from when you were just a little kid and you know every word to that song? Okay, like three of you, you're all lying, whatever, <laughs> right? Like here's the deal. Like, you know why? Because it took up residence in your heart. Like that's the reason you can sing it. That's the reason it comes back in your mind. It's attached to all these different things. It took up residence in your heart, right? Like, like how many of y'all, you, you don't have a problem talking about certain political ideologies, right? Because it's taken up residence in your heart. You don't have a problem talking about all the statistics of your favorite sports team, Chiefs, because it's taken up residence in your heart, right? Like, we know how to do this. So this idea that we're like, oh, I just don't know how to let the Word of God take up residence in my heart, like, it's, it's kind of a cop-out. Like, we know how to do it. It just takes work, and, it's, and, it, and it has to be something that has to, to be something we love. Because if you love it, it takes up residence in your heart. And you'll seek to make that happen. Now, with that being said, I do want to make sure that we walk away with some practical ways to think about how we can let the Word of God dwell richly in us in 2024. The first one is this, by holding fast to it. Take up the sword. Don't lay it down. You don't hold it loosely, because if you hold it like it's a toy, then someone's going to knock it out of your hand. You hold fast to it. You take it into all those different things. You hold on to it when you walk into environments at work and when you walk into your home, when you're trying to teach your kids, when you go to school, like you hold fast to it. You, you don't hold it loose. You don't let it go. You don't lay it down. You cling to it. In moments of longing, you cling to his sword. In moments where you need his promises, you cling to his sword. In moments where there's suffering, you cling to his sword. You cling to the hope that's in it. In moments of doubt, you cling to his testimonies. In moments of celebration, you, you cling to the reality that every good gift comes from the Father. When you need mercy, you cling to the promise of mercy in Jesus Christ. Cling to it in everything you do. How do you hold fast to it? Well, here it comes. You read it. Like, you knew I was going to get there, right? Like at some point, like you, you read it. Every day, you read it. Not someone else talking about it. You can add that, but you also need to read it. Now, here's the thing. Some of you say reading is hard. That's not something that you do naturally. I would contend that's not entirely true because I'm sure you read about investments and technology and the new iPhone that comes out. Like We read things, even if we're not big readers. But listen, even if you're somebody who struggles to read, 
go invest in a great Bible audio, audio Bible. Go invest in an app like Dwell and, and, and be reminded every day and listen to it in your car. Like, but you be in it. And I would encourage you, even if you're not a reader, read it anyway. One of the things that we're providing this year um, is a chronological study of God's Word. So chronological study is an encouragement for you to read every single day through the Bible, uh, but in a chronological way. So not necessarily one section and then another section, but linearly. So that when you're reading, you're seeing the whole timeline. So when you're in 2 Kings and you're reading about the King Josiah, you're also going to be reading in the book of Jeremiah. So you understand why Jeremiah is saying the things that he's saying. And so we have a chronological study that you can grab. You can grab a paper copy for all you tangible people that like to check things off and see it go by every single day. Grab this paper copy out in the lobby at Info Central. We have a PDF on our website. You want to see something even cooler? Um, let me show this to you. Um, this is a, a picture of our app. Here's what you can do if you want to see um, the, the Bible reading plan. You just go hit those two little lines up there and go down there where it says reading plan. And see, it says 365-day chronological reading plan. Just hit it. Every single day, you're going to get a new set of text. There's a reason why we put day one, because you're all going to mess it up. Right? You know why? Because we all mess it up. And frankly, here's the reality of it. Um, this text right here, so day one, which starts today, is supposed to be reading Genesis 1 through 3. Can I just tell you right now, I will not get through Genesis 1 through 3 before I have to stop and ponder what God has been. So, so I may only get to Genesis chapter 1 and then go, ooh, there's a lot there I need to meditate on. Guess what? That's okay. It's not about how much you read. Just, just read it. And if you click on Genesis chapter 1 through 3, look at that. Just God's Word. If you're one of those people and you like to go like super nerdy and you want a ton of resources, um, we have an availability for that as well. If you go to the dashboard on our app, Hit reading plan resources. It takes you to, um, to version, and you can start the plan. And, and we took this from the Bible recap, and there are so many different things that you can engage there. Um, when you hit start plan, it shows you the different days. You can go to a devotional that has all kinds of helps, videos, if you want to learn more, if you want to watch more. Like there's all kinds of resources. Listen, you don't need that, but if you're one of those people that loves it, it's there. Start today. Like, read it. Meditate on his word, brothers and sisters. Those resources can help you do that. This is how you hold fast to it. You read it every day. Meditate on it every single day. You take one verse, one thought. You focus your attention on it. The goal is not to bit through the Bible in 365 days. The goal is to get the Bible in you. Can I just say that again? The goal is not to get you to read the Bible in 365 days. The goal is to get the Word of God in you and me and your kids. Like, that's the goal, right? So these are some resources. They're available there for you. That's on the app, but it's also on our website. Another thing that we can do to hold fast to it is a promise to keep. Real simple. I know that's a strange phrase. Do you go into the word of God with a promise in your own heart that you're going to keep what you, what you see and read? Uh, the Bible tells me to pray unceasingly. Do you read that and go like, I'm not doing that well, and I want to pray more? And you, you're going to strive to do better. Not perfect, but better. Right? Remember we've talked before here that it's one degree of the next. So you just want to move one tiny degree towards Jesus by keeping what's there. Next is asking him for wisdom and understanding. Like, listen, the word of God, it can be difficult. It can be hard to understand at times. But you know what you have inside of you? The spirit of God. And if you go to him and you ask for him to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding, he'll do that. And then in the midst of that, I would encourage you to be involved in community so that you make sure that you're kind of having those things uh, keeping you accountable to what we would call biblical orthodoxy. Like you're not going off into left field. And you know what? That's why you have pastors and elders. Again, we love to talk about this stuff. So if you're reading in Habakkuk and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, then come talk to me. Come talk to David Man. Come talk to we. Come talk to Brandon. Come talk to somebody. We'd love to talk to you. But most importantly, you don't have to be a Bible scholar because you have the one who wrote it in you. 
the Spirit of God. Right? The Spirit of God is in you. Next, another way that you can help the Word, or the Word can be dwelling richly in you, is you just pray the Word. Just pray it. Jesus did it on the cross, Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? The disciples pray the Word in Acts chapter 4. Like, pray the Word. You say, I don't know how to do it. Remember our text? Look at verse 5, for example. Why then has the people turned away in perpetual backsliding? Lord, would you please help me not to be a person who perpetually backslides? That's how you pray the word. I don't want to be that person. Would you help me to be that person that doesn't perpetually backslide? Pray the word. Finally, speak it. Speak it out to, non- to believers. Speak it to non-believers. Speak it to your family. You know that if you read something and you're thinking about something, if you tell somebody what you're thinking, the chances of it being anchored into your soul go up a million times. And I'm going to encourage you with this too. It doesn't always have to be weird. Right? Like sometimes we think, oh, I just read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life, right? And shall not perish. And we get to this idea that when we are at Starbucks and we see somebody and the Spirit says, oh, you need to tell her about Jesus, that we go, hey, I just want to let you know, John 3.16, which they have no idea what you're talking about, well, maybe with John 3.16, but, but you quote the reference, you quote the verse, and then you tell them the verse. You know, just speak truth. You know, you can tell them John 3.16 without having to quote the reference. In fact, I'm really bad at references, for that very reason. I want, it, I want it to be saturated in my life. And you can tell somebody and say, like, hey, did you know the Lord loves you? I don't know what your life's been like. Can I pray for you? And, and, and he loves you so much. Even if you don't believe this, I just want you to know he sent his son here to die for you. That's how much he loves you. If you ever want to talk more about that, I'd love to chat with you. Here's a card. Come visit my church. Like, you don't have to make it weird. You don't have to quote Jeremiah to people. But you can quote the truths that are in Jeremiah to people. You want your kids to know God's word and you want it to be so saturated in their lives that they say, man, I'm learning God's word without even knowing that I'm learning his word. Deuteronomy says, when they rise, when they sit down, when you're at the table, like you're constantly teaching, this should be what we're doing and I think we should be speaking this. So, here's the thing. I want to end with this question. Will you, in 2024, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching us online, Will you commit to refuse to walk in ways that reject his word? And will you commit to letting his word take up residence in your life by reading it, by spending time in it? Will you take up the sword that he has given to us and carry it into every single part of your life? And if you're somebody who's doing it now, how can you do it more? If you're somebody who's never picked up the word of God, Don't think about reading seven chapters. Read one. Just do something more this year than you did last year. Take one step. One step. If you read it, but you've never put it in your heart, memorize text. Take one verse once a week, and you memorize it. Like There's all these different things that you can do. But the question is, will you commit to do it in 2024? I hope you walk away today with a heart and a passion and a zeal to do that. I want to close our time as well with saying this. If you've never taken hold of the gospel, if you've never put your, your trust in Jesus Christ, I want to call you to consider doing that today. You know, I, I talked about all the things that the word of God has and gives to us in hope and salvation and the steadfast love of God, how, how it leads us in all these different things. Listen, you do not have to look far to realize this world does not have the answers for you. The world doesn't have the answers for you. His word does. And I want to encourage you today, even if you're like, I don't know what this means, but I recognize I don't have the answers and I want to come to someone who does. God loves you so much that even though he didn't have to do so, he's trying, not just trying, he is revealing himself to you that you might find him. You can't find him without this. And so I want to encourage you today to take that, 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 hear that call and to give Jesus your faith, to give Jesus your trust.
Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, pray with me, and then we're going to sing a song and lead into a time of response. While we sing this song here in just a moment, if you want to talk to somebody or you want some encouragement or maybe you've, you've struggled with some things in his word or you want to um, step into faith with Jesus this big, the beginning of this year, um, we're going to have pastors and elders here up here at the front. But let me, let me just pray. Father, I, uh, in my very small experience, I have found there is nothing sweeter and better and more rich and life-giving than the word that you have given to us. I just pray, Lord, that everyone in this room, this year will make the commitment to step into faithfulness in your word faithful to read it, faithful to store it in their hearts, faithful to memorize it, faithful to apply it, faithful to submit to it, faithful to let it read us, faithful uh, to, to let your spirit rebuke us when necessary, encourage us when we're, when we're discouraged, strengthen us when we're tired, and to do it through your word. We see the beauty of it, and we would be devoted to it, devoted to put it in its proper place, Lord, that you might then conform us into the likeness of your son, Jesus. I pray and ask that you do that for every single one of us in this space today. So when we look back at 2024 with all the failures that it's going to have and all the successes and all the good and the bad that we would see, man, God, I saw your hand work in my life because I, 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 I was a little more faithful to your word. I pray that that be the case for us all. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray, Father, if there's any listening online that doesn't know you, that they would hear your word say that you so love this world that you gave your son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I pray that they would hear that word. And Father, that, that in your word, would be the power of salvation. Their eyes would be open and they would desire to follow the good, holy king who made this world and made them. You're the only one that can restore what is broken in our lives. You're the only one that can reconcile what has been separated. You're the only one that can heal what has been broken and sick, bind off what has been broken. Lord, you're the only one who can do that. You do it primarily through your word, but you do it through your spirit and your people. And I pray, Lord, that those who don't know you would come to know you. That they'd be baptized like London was today. That you put that desire in their heart. And so, Lord, as we close our time, may you stir in our hearts a desire to be more faithful in your word. Father, would you help us to sing praises to you and songs and, and, and hymns and spiritual songs that point to your word. But Father, you would hear the praises of your people. That you would inhabit them, that you'd be with us as we go out. Father, that you would speak to us through your word. We pray and ask these things in your name.